Let me ask you a question. I, I need your help today. Buddy, you always lead the way when I need help, so I, I need your help this morning. Whenever you have something wrong with your shirt, where do you take it? Where do you go? Who do you call on? You tug. You call on a tailor. All right, what happens if there's something that breaks in your house? Who do you usually call on? Tim. Tim. <laughs> Jimmy Davis, my husband. You call on someone, right? <laughs> but we call on a handyman oftentimes if something in our house breaks. What happens when something happens to our car, Dr. Jackson? We normally are going to call on what? A mechanic. Uh, usually don't call on me because there's an important thing. If I'm going to work on my house or my car, Mr. Hoyt, there's a very important fact I have to have every time. A full tank of gas in a car because I'm going to be going back and forth to the parts store over and over because I'll get something wrong, I'll, I'll need something else. Whenever we find ourselves in life and our life breaks, where do we go? Whenever there's tragedy and there's a mess in our life, where do we go? This morning in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we come to a very interesting story uh, about a man by the name of David. Maybe you're familiar with David. David was a young shepherd boy that is anointed king while there's someone else that was king because that king was rejected by God that there would be a new king rise up and his name would be David. David uh, grows and he actually begins in favor with the, with the current king, but he gets out of favor and the current king tries to hunt him down and tries to kill him. Over and over, David uh, does the right thing and spares him and respects the king and waits for God's timing for when he would become king. Well, in the process of running from Saul, he, he makes friends with a group of people, which you've probably heard of maybe, the, the Philistines. The Philistines had this giant that he killed one time. David and the giant came from the Philistines. But he actually becomes their friend, kind of lives among them. To, and, and they really thought that, hey, this is a good move because this is the guy that killed he killed the giant. He's, he's killed a whole bunch of Philistines. So if we can have a truce here and he, he can hang out with us, that will be a good thing. So David makes this truce. He's kind of hanging out with them. And then it comes to a point where the king has to say, David, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Our men are scared to death of you. They don't like you being around here. So we need you to just kind of go somewhere else. So he had been given this place called Ziklag. Somebody say Ziklag. Don't you just want to go on vacation to a place called Ziklag? Where are you going for the summer? I'm going to Ziklag. An interesting sounding name for a place. But in Ziklag, that is where they kind of set up their homes. They, they had houses. They had their wives, their children, their belongings. Everything that they had was in Ziklag. Where do we go when life breaks down? Max Licato said that good days and bad days, God is in all our days. When our bad days come, what do we do? And I'm not just talking about, you know... Somebody is, is, is causing you to run late. I'm not talking about that kind of a bad day. I'm talking about the turtle that was in my driveway this morning I didn't realize that was underneath my car. He almost had a really, really bad day. But thankfully, he was right in the right spot so that when I backed up, he was not around any of the tires on my car, so his day did not go as bad as it could have. I'm talking about if that turtle had been in the wrong place, bad day. What happens? We just this past week celebrated, not really celebrated, but we remembered what happened in 2001. That was a tragedy that day. 
All of us in this room, probably, if we're under the age, over the age of 18 or 19, we can probably remember where we were when we heard about the Trade Center Towers being hit and our country being attacked. What blows my mind is my daughter will be turning 18 next week, and she was not alive when that took place. She's grown up in a world with the Trade Towers down, with the idea of terrorism rampant. She's grown up in a world where tragedy is a, just something we deal with. But what do we do in tragedy? Well, I believe God's Word has got, has got some good direction for us. And we look at these stories in the Old Testament because what they do is they really give us an insight into who God is, who we are, and how to respond in certain situations. And I love that God uses people who aren't perfect. David, as you're going to see, was not absolutely always on the high ground. He wasn't always up on the mountaintop. So let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 30. Then it happened. How about those three words for you? Then it happened. I was having a great day, and then when I, when I went to the doctor, and I got my report, then it happened. I was having a great day until I went to the mailbox, and in the mailbox, I pulled it out, and then it happened. I had a great marriage. My marriage was going great, and then it happened. Those words are haunting words oftentimes. I was feeling pretty good, and then I tripped and fell down the stairs, and then it happened. When we look at this, let's begin in verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Melekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Let me remind you, these men are warriors. These men are not afraid of a fight. These men know what it's like to be staring down the blade of a sword. They know what it's like to be hungry. They know what it's like to be exhausted. In fact, they've made a three-day journey to get to Ziklag. And when they arrive, their safe place was gone. Their wives, their children, their houses, their livestock, their possessions, their money, it all had vanished and in its place they could smell the burning wood. They could hear the silence of no lambs, no sheep, no animals, no children at play. They could see the wreckage. They could see the smoke. Tragedy had come their way. And what overcame them was grief. Deep grief and sorrow. When it comes to tragedy, there are some truths that I need you to understand. And I'm going to be very honest with you. And maybe you've been, been uh, 
a Christian for a short period of time or, 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 or you have this idea about Christianity that, that all is well when you come to know Christ, I'm going to give you some truth today. This isn't one of those things that's going to make it attractive, but it's truth, okay? The very first truth about tragedy is this, that those of great faith will experience great difficulty. Great difficulty will come into your life, quite possibly a tragedy, a crisis. Life is not always a bed of roses, even if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whether it's health, or something with your family, or something in the world, or your community, something can come that's going to be difficult. That's a truth. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that just because you know Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Now there's a difference that we're going to get to in a minute when you know Jesus and you follow Him. But all of us are going to experience difficulties. David knew that this attack was orchestrated by an enemy. I want you to get this, ladies and gentlemen. An enemy had come into their safe place and taken away all that was precious and dear to them. It was not a mistake simply that David made or these men made or, or something that just happened. There was an enemy at foot that came in and raided and destroyed and killed. And I got news for you today. There is an enemy that wants to raid, that wants to steal and kill and destroy in your life. His name is Satan. He is the liar. There is no truth in him. He's like a roaring lion wanting to devour you. And when tragedy comes, he likes to rear up his head and become the forefront of directing your response and your reaction to these things. Because tragedy is a time that can really take us to a dark place. David knew this attack was or orchestrated by an enemy, by an evil one. And he knew the attack was for a purpose. It was trying, trying to destroy him and his men, trying to take away all that God had given them. Can I tell you, some of the battles are going to be easy, but some of them are going to be difficult. Some of the battles are going to be easy that you face, and it's going to be no big deal because you've grown to a place where you can handle the little skirmishes. But there's going to be those battles in your life where it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And when you come to those battles, it is important how we respond to them. Second thing about the truth is this. And this is what I love about this story. Is that, that your worst day can become the best day. The worst day can be the best day of your life. Well, pastor, how in the world can that be if I face a tragedy? It's what happens in the midst of it. Look, David is outnumbered by this enemy. As a matter of fact, let's read a little bit more here. Verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. They were exhausted. They were tired. They, they were so grieved and so hurting. Verse number 5, Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ihonim and Jez, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons or his daughters. In other words, it's 
bad that the homes are destroyed, their property is gone, that their wives and children are missing, and they're standing there alone. But all the men turned around and pointed their finger at David and wanted to stone him and kill him. You know what? Buddy, I wouldn't be surprised if David wanted to stone himself for a moment. For a man to get to this level of grief and distress, he, it may have even crossed his mind, why don't you just go ahead? This is bad. But look what he does at the end of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Well, David actually, he goes and he prays to God. He asks God, should I, should I pursue him? And God says, absolutely go. And so he goes, he pursues him. And they find this guy that, they were, that the enemy just left on the side of the road, basically, that was hungry. And they took care of him. And, and he actually gave them some information as to where they were. So they go and they find the enemy. And let me tell you what's amazing here. Is that, let's look at verse 16. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines, from the land of Judah. Now, that's the enemy. They are all excited about what's going on. But here's what happened. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives, but nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle, which the people drove ahead of the other livestock, and they said, this is David's spoil. In the midst of the great tragedy and crisis in David's life, when he was greatly distressed and his men wanted to kill him, something happened that that worst day turned into one of the best days because he was empowered by God and he went and he recovered the spoil and he brought back more than they had even lost. So let me tell you, you may think there is no way my bad day can turn to be good. You limit God when you say that. God can do something. It may not be in the physical, uh, the, the physical things around you or your circumstances, but it can be inside of you what God does. Because God works through those difficult times. Charles Spurgeon said, I can bear witness that the worst days I have ever had have turned out to be my best days. Love letters from heaven are often sent in black-edged envelopes. Fear not the storm. Because when we get to face the storm with the one who controls the storm, we can face it with courage. So whenever there is tragedy and there's crisis in your life, now what? Now what do you do? Well, I can tell you this. What you do will determine who you will become. What you do in the midst of it will determine who you will become. What you do in that time when tragedy has hit will determine who you will become. You can either stay where you are or become something greater. Look at verse 6 again. The very end of it is what is so critical. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Or he turned to the ideas of the trusting of God. Let me tell you what David did. David 
David was one of those in the midst of that moment would sing, How Great Thou Art. He was one of those that would turn to places like Psalm 91, where it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. David was a man that strengthened himself. He could not rely on anybody else. They all wanted to kill him. He was alone. He was by himself. But he strengthened himself in the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we have no excuse. We have no excuse if mama don't come to the rescue. Or daddy don't come to the rescue. Or if our spouse doesn't come to the rescue. We have no excuse. Because we have a God who loved us so much He sent Jesus Christ. So that we could have a relationship with Him and be connected to Him. So that we could call on Him no matter where we are. If it's in a classroom. If it's driving down the road. If it's in our home or our workplace. God is always there to hear us. Jesus died so that we would have someone to turn to. In the moments of crisis, there are many people who will, who will testify to the fact that without the Lord, they would not have made it through the tragedy that they had to face. Here's the beautiful thing. God, when he saw this tragedy taking place, he watched David very carefully to see that David did not look for a scapegoat. He looked to the God who created the universe. See, David... David was a man who looked for direction from the one who created all things. We can see that here in verses 7 through, through 10 where David asks for the ephod so that he can put it on and he can request from the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do? And God would give him a direction. But David knew that God loved him in the worst of days. In the worst of tragedies, God loved, God's love had not changed. That in the worst of moments and in the deepest of pain, God's love was still present and real. God wants to help and direct in those moments. See, pain can be used to destroy. That's what the enemy wants to use pain in your life to do is to destroy you. But can I declare today that we are overcomers because of Jesus Christ. The enemy has no ground because Jesus Christ has won the victory. We just fall into the trap of thinking that we have no ground to stand on. But the enemy has been defeated. He was defeated on um, death, hell, and the grave was defeated and so was Satan. At the end of the story, I know how it ends. He gets a new home where he ain't going to touch me anymore and I get a new place where I get to be with God all the time. So he loses. So you, like Stephen Curtis Chapman has this great, great song called Bring It On. Here's what I have to say. Bring it on because I got Jesus on my side. And see, David understood that in the midst of tragedy and crisis, that God was the place to turn. And what's very interesting is we can get some, some ideas of what we need to do in these moments that we can jot down and remember because David gives us a pattern, a, a direction. Because the one thing I think David did, he was honest with the Lord. I must be honest with the Lord. What must I do? I need to be honest before the Lord. David strengthened himself before the Lord. He was grieving. He was hurting. He was greatly distressed. He was in a mess. But I believe he was so honest with God. I mean, after all, 
Are you really going to get one over on God? Are you really going to get, get around and skirt around how you really feel about something with God? Sometimes God is waiting for you to be honest with yourself so that He can do something about it. Sometimes you just need to just be honest with God and say, God, this just really ticks me off and I'm really angry and mad right now. I feel like it's the wrong thing to do, but I'm just mad. And God says, finally. And God's not going to look at you because you're honest and go, well, that just hurt my feelings. I'm going to go somewhere else. God's not going to do that. Now, people we know may, but God will not. He will smile with a gentle smile and say, my child, my child, now you are ready. You are ready. So the first thing we have to do is just get real and be honest with God. David recognized he had a problem. And that's why he went to strengthen himself with the Lord. Sometimes our biggest step is just to realize, hey, I need help. The second thing is, is we need to seek his direction. That's what David does here in 7 through 10. He is seeking God's direction. David, in verse 8, he says, he says, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the band? Shall I overtake them? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was the guy in charge and these bad dudes showed up and messed up my house and I was a warrior and I had all these guys with me, I'd say, come on, boys. I don't care how tired you are. Let's pack it up and let's go get our family back. Is that not what we We're men. That's what men do, right? Come on, somebody. I mean, be a warrior. Grab, grab the sword. Get the shield. Let's, let's get out there and let's go get our family back. We protect. We fight. But David stopped. Even though it may have been the right thing to do or the good thing to do, David stopped and he said, God, should I pursue or should I not? Sometimes we need to stop and seek God's direction. Especially in the midst of crisis or tragedy. Because our emotions will take over and we will make decisions and say things sometimes that we wish we could take back. But if we can stop, and we can seek God's direction in those moments, He will get, get it. See, there's a real contrast here that's very interesting. Because Saul, in chapter 28, he goes and he wants to know a direction and he goes to a witch, a medium, to find a direction. But in chapter 30, David goes to the Lord to find out a direction. Let me tell you, horoscopes won't do you no good. Oh, come on now. The pastor's been meddling every week, so I might as well meddle now. Horoscopes will do you no good. Palm readers will do you no good. Because there is one palm that has a nail scar in it that will do you more good than any of they will, those people will. Because he died for us on the cross for us to have victory. The place we need to seek direction more than anywhere is at the feet of Jesus Christ. In the midst of crisis, we may be wanting to know, what are you going to do, Mr. President? What are you going to do, Chief? What are you going to do, boss? But can I tell you, the greatest direction you'll get is from God Himself. And He may tell you something you don't like. He may tell you to do something that just eh, don't make you feel good. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. He may tell you to just be quiet. 
Or he may tell you to go let somebody know something. And you may not want to do it. But seek his direction. It is difficult to seek God, not because God is elusive, but because our minds are saturated with misconceptions and deceit planted by the, the evil one, planted by the world and by our culture. We have this idea that God is so far away, but He is near. In our Sunday school class today, we started a, a series for four weeks about hearing from God and how to hear from God. And we read where Samuel, in chapter 3 of this very book, he says one of the most powerful words anyone has ever prayed. Here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. And we talked about how we get so many distractions in our life and so many voices are so loud, we get to where we can't hear from God. The voices inside our head that tell us that we're no good. That tell us we're too weak. That tell us we're not loved. The voices around us in our culture, in our world, that says things are going to get bad. That things, we are wrong. But can I tell you, when I look at Scripture and we turn our hearts and our minds to the Lord, He'll give us direction. And when we seek Him, He's going to give us what we're seeking for. Second Chronicles tells us that those who seek Him will find Him. So seek God today in the midst of the trouble. And the last thing is this, is the very thing that David did. David obeyed. He asked, shall I pursue them? Shall I go after them? Shall I overtake them? In verse 9, so David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor remained behind. God said, go. David said, guys, if you can't make it, I'm going anyway. If you're exhausted, I understand you sit right here, but I'm going anyway. God has told me to do something. I'm going to do it. So we need to obey Him fully and completely, not partially. Obedience to God proves our love. Obedience is an act of love. We don't do it out of duty. We do it out of love. He loved us and we love Him because He knows what's best for us. He has a, a perspective that none of us has on our life and what is going on. The tragedy of this day determined and got David ready for his throne that was to come in just a few days later. See, the difficulty of this moment of losing his wife, his children, his possessions, his, his town, everything going away was pivotal in David's life. This moment is pivotal in his life. And because of the way he responded, he was prepared and ready to sit on the throne as king. God may be preparing you today to sit on the throne. He may have a blessing for you. He may have something for you that you cannot even imagine yet. But you have to make it through this tragedy to get there. And the best way to get there is by holding on to that precious hand of Jesus. Sometimes we have to go through the worst to reach the best. Will you pray with me? Father, today, today, there are tragedies all around us. 
Father, my heart breaks for Paisley. As she is sitting right back here in the back of the church, Lord, she's a little girl who's got cancer in its back and it's growing. It's not getting smaller. But God, I'm not going to stop praying for you to move in that. Lord, it is a tragedy that she has this cancer, an absolute tragedy. But God, I seek you for direction. I, I ask for you to move in our hearts as to what to do for that little girl and for her grandmother, father, and for the whole family. Lord, many of us are faced with tragedies and difficulties in our life. We are faced with things that come up we don't expect, and there's crisis that will surprise us. But God, may we turn to you. May we seek you. May we be honest with you that we may find hope in the right place, and that is you. Lord, today, without Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and having a relationship with him, Lord, there is no hope. So God, today I pray for the one, the two, for the many who may hear this message, who may be listening right now, who do not know Jesus Christ. And maybe they're going through something hard and difficult. The Lord, they'll stop trying to handle it themselves. And they'll seek you for guidance, for comfort, for peace. Lord, people will let us down, but you never will. Lord, may they submit their life to you. May they ask you to forgive them and take over their life today. It is that simple. Thank you, Father, for your word that encourages us. That even a great warrior like David, a great king like David, a man after your own heart, would be greatly distressed and alone. But God, he was after a man after your heart because he was after the will of your heart. What did you want? That's what made him so great. May we be that kind of people today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.